Hello and welcome to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. I'm John Stillman alongside Joel Johnson, Certified Financial Planner and the CEO of Johnson Brunetti, the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies. You can see him as the host of Better Money on WFSB Channel 3 on the Saturday and Sunday morning news with Kara Sunland, also on WCBB Channel 5 in Boston. He's the author of six books, including most famously The Money Map, and he's here to share his wisdom with us today. Joel, always a pleasure, and we're going to try to not be too controversial today, but we're going to talk about some things going on with the Biden administration and how that might affect our financial plans. Sounds good. Sounds good. And this is always important. You know, I sometimes we'll have meetings with folks and they'll say, well, are you, you know, do you lean one way or the other? And I said, well, we lean towards the side that keeps your retirement the most secure, the most predictable. You know, our job as financial advisors here at Johnson Brunetti, you know, when you're in our offices, you see this on every wall. We have a little plaque, little framed saying, and it says our goal is to take the fear out of your finances and give you confidence in what lies ahead. And that's that's where we stand. That's our political and economic stance is for, for our clients, what is best for our clients. And then, you know, folks can decide whether they, you know, feel a different way. But we're, we're just merely talking about our clients' financial security and whichever, um, whichever way the chips may fall there. So I'm going to give you some executive orders that Biden signed his first day or first couple of days in office, as well as some things they've indicated that they would like to do as an administration. You can tell us you know, how we might want to be planning uh, in light of these revelations. So uh, one thing is an executive order to extend the federal moratorium on evictions. So it also prolongs a moratorium on foreclosures on federally guaranteed mortgages. These run through at least the end of March. What, if anything, should we make of that? Well, the evictions one hurts a lot of our clients because of a lot of our clients, remember, they own these three and four family homes. Uh, we've got a few clients that own 12 unit, 20 unit apartment buildings. And so, you know, to not, to just allow somebody to just not pay the rent because these are, these are people that have mortgages on those buildings. Let's pretend you and I own a 20 unit apartment complex together. We probably have a mortgage on it. And if people are just given the permission not to pay the rent, we can't make our mortgage payments. Where's the relief for us? There is no relief for us. And so that's, that's an issue. So I, I don't agree with that. I understand the hardship. I understand if somebody's lost their job, not being able to pay their rent. But you know that is not hurting some faceless entity. That Those are individuals that own those um, apartment buildings. Remember, most people that live in apartments don't live, especially here in the Northeast, they don't live in these giant apartment complexes. They live in three and four family homes that you know, sometimes the original owner of that home lived there and then they moved out and kept the house so they could rent it to other people. So I have a real problem with the moratorium on evictions. And that doesn't mean I, I don't understand the hardship. I just think that um, many times these things are positioned politically as if it's just some big bad corporation that owns these apartments and they forget that these are individuals. Um, as far as the foreclosures, I, I can understand that. And I think that tends to, um, you know, if somebody stops paying their mortgage, that will tend to be against larger financial institutions. It doesn't hurt the individual um, landlord as much. You know, it's it's still tough. I hope that, um, you know, once all this gets sorted out with the pandemic, that, you know, they'll be able to re redo those loans. And I hope the banks aren't out any money. I just don't think it's right to take money from one individual and give it to another. I think the relief is fine. 
some kind of relief that says, okay, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll forgive six months of, of mortgage payments, but we'll put that on the back end of the loan. I think that's okay. But when they just say, well, Mr. and Mrs. Bank, you just have to eat the six months of mortgage payments. I quite frankly, I think that's kind of immoral. Yeah. Again, I mean, it, it just, it's going to have repercussions somewhere down the line. It seems like it would have to, even if it is a big corporation that is seeming to get stiffed. I mean, that's going to get passed back down to the regular person one way or another, you would have to think. Well, and for the lawyers out there, you know, answer this question. Is that, does that equal a taking of property? You know, we have a takings clause in the Constitution where you can't take someone's property. Remember, this is why people left England. People left England to come to this new country called the United States of America partly because of property rights, because they didn't have property rights in England. Well, does that equal a taking of property when you just tell somebody, look, you're not allowed to collect rent, period. You know, is, is that, it seems to me that's, that's taking something that belongs to somebody else. So again, it's a, it's a tough issue because obviously there are hard times going right now. And especially, you know, the lower income folks that work in the service sector have been hurt a lot more. Um, some uh, minority communities have been hurt a lot more, but to just go to somebody that has invested and possibly put blood, sweat, and tears into a piece of property, and maybe they even owe money on it and say, hey, these people, you know, your tenants don't have to pay your rent, and there's nothing you can do about it. I just don't think that's right. So there was another executive order that Biden signed uh, to continue a pause on student loan interest and principal payments through the end of September. Of course, this would be on federal loans, which is a high percentage of the loans on the market. What are your thoughts on that and how to handle that moving forward? Well, a lot of students don't listen to this program. A lot of folks that have uh, student loans, I mean, let's face it, that most of the people listening to this program, you're, you know, 45, 50, 55, 65 years old. So hopefully you don't have student loans at age 45. Um, but I think for younger people, you know, they already have fairly liberal payback periods. Um, I don't know that that's a whole lot different. I know that if your income is under a certain amount of money, you can pay back your student loans based on your ability to pay. That's a federal definition, which means for some people that's a 20-year period. And if you get to the 20 years and you still owe something, they forgive it. So there's already a lot of assistance in the student loans, and I don't think that hurts, again, like this forbearance on rent. Another executive order, again, this was all from the first couple of days of Biden being in office, uh, revoking the permit for the Keystone XL pipeline construction. Of course, that pipeline would have transported more than 830,000 barrels of oil per day from Alberta, Canada to oil refineries in the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, where do you see this in terms of you know gas prices moving forward? Does that affect investing plans at all for your clients? It, it probably doesn't affect investing plans for our clients. Um, that pipeline will be built. It's just a matter of does it get built uh, to the Gulf of Mexico or does it get built to the Pacific or the Atlantic across Canadian lands. That 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 pipeline will get built. So, you know, if you think this is a big victory for the environment, it's it's not. The pipeline's still going to get built. It's just not built on U.S. soil, and the U.S. won't get tax revenues from it. Um, so. I don't think it'll affect gas prices that much. Uh, the, the U.S. is petroleum independent right now and uh, probably will be for quite some time. It's amazing the technologies we have in this country. And, and along with um, reduced petroleum consumption because cars are getting more efficient and people, I think, are becoming much more conscious. Some people are taking public transportation, believe it or not. My friends in L.A. don't 
don't uh, can't understand that, but some people are taking public transportation. So the demand, the the growth in demand for gasoline and oil products has gone has slowed down. I don't want to say it's gone down, but the demand, the growth of demand has slowed down while we become much more efficient, which is why the U.S. is energy independent right now. So. You know, I, I feel bad for the investors that invested in um, in the Keystone Pipeline, but that pipeline is going to be built. It's just a matter of, you know, do you want it built um, through the U.S. or do you want it built across the um, land of Canada and going out to the Pacific? That that pipeline will get built. Um, it'll just be a matter of who gets the tax revenue and the benefit from it. You're listening to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. We're talking about the Biden administration, executive orders that have been signed already, and plans that the administration has indicated that they want to implement in the next couple of years. Uh, there is an indicated plan for a $2 trillion additional COVID stimulus. Joel, where do you stand on that? I know you were pretty positive on how it all worked out last spring with the PPP loans and, and all of that. Uh, what's your take on that moving forward and how that might affect the economy and the stock market? I am for stimulus that goes to COVID-related issues. Um, what happens in a lot of these bills is a lot of other things get put into the bills. You know, a bill is presented and, you know, it's presented as something that, well, who would be against that? Every Republican, every Democrat would vote for that. Well, because that everybody would vote for it, now these little things start sliding in there. And so I am for additional stimulus if it gets into the pocket of the, the pockets of the people that need it. Um, I think it, I think people have been damaged through no fault of their own. When you're forced to close your business by a government, uh, by somebody signing, you know, some kind of an order, um, that hurts. And those that is done on a state level. And, I, you know, if we have to help people out, I, I have no problem with that. But I would hope that those are clean bills and, and that they go to where it's needed. I don't need any stimulus. Um, I, I don't. And I don't need a, a tax break to help. Um, to help me keep more money in my pocket, but a lot of people do. You know, I know people that have been out of work for a while. I, I went to a conference down in Texas. I teach financial advisors around the country, and so uh, back in December, was it December? No, it was the end of September. I went to a conference down in Texas, beautiful hotel down there, Weston, right near the airport. And I was talking to a gentleman that was um, that was serving lunch, and he said, "This is the first time we've worked since April." You know, what a shame! What a, what a shame that. You know, it was the first time this gentleman had worked since April. I can't even imagine being out of work that long um, due to something outside of, of one's control. And so I am for targeted stimulus for folks like this gentleman I met down in Dallas. Um, but again, let's, let's put it where it's needed. Let's not have the money um, where it's not needed. Or, or have these extra little frills um, that a Senate, senator or a congressman tries to create to bring money home to their district that has nothing to do with benefiting people that have been hit hard by COVID. Final thing that we'll mention here discussing the Biden administration is an indicated <laughs> desire for a nationwide $15 an hour minimum wage. Now, they've already implemented a $15 an hour minimum wage for federal employees. I can't imagine there were that many federal employees that weren't making $15 an hour already. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the, there's there's an example of let's take a position on something that really doesn't mean anything, but it makes it sound really good. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine a federal employee that was making less than $15 an hour. But in terms of a $15 minimum wage across the board, and you know, I'm sure there are constitutional issues as to whether or not the federal government could mandate that anyway, but what are your thoughts on that as a general practice? You know, I have changed. Uh, if you would have asked me 20, 25 years ago, I would have said, no, there, should be, um, there shouldn't be a continued increase in minimum wage. But 
you know, now that I own a business and I appreciate so much not only people that own businesses but employees that work hard, I really do not have a problem at all with a $15 uh, minimum wage. If Connecticut or Massachusetts went to a $15 minimum wage tomorrow, um, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Now, those that think that's not going to affect business is, is are just, they have their head in the sand. They don't understand, you know, simple business. Um, that may mean that that person that owns that restaurant or that McDonald's or maybe the gas station doesn't hire a high school kid. Um, that, that might mean that if he has to pay $15 an hour minimum wage. But overall, I don't have that big of an issue. And, you know, if I owned a restaurant or something, I'd probably pass that on. That's just going to be passed on in the prices. I mean, it's not – there's no free lunch here. Um, but I don't have much of a problem with that. I, I would have many years ago. Today, I look at it and say, you know what, 15 bucks an hour and it's $30,000 a year for a full-time job. I think that's okay. My question is, you know, businesses are always going to find ways to adapt. I mean, look at the number of businesses who – in the last year have realized, oh, wow, you know what? We can be completely a remote company. We can be work from home permanently. And, you know, what changes might that have in the commercial real estate landscape moving forward? I just wonder if businesses won't find out ways to automate and just not fill a particular position. Well, that's correct. They'll, they'll either not fill the position or they'll pass it on in prices. And this is what's so not understood by certain Congress people. Many of them, again, have gone to school recently and and uh, just have, I don't know, eaten up this whole, you know, America is, you know, bad com- companies are bad and so on is, you know, they think that the ma- the money just magically minimum wage gets raised and, and nothing else happened. Hey, if a company has a 10% profit margin and by raising the minimum wage, it takes that profit margin down to 2%, they're going to just raise their prices. It's, it's that simple. So the money doesn't come out of nowhere. The money comes from the consumers. It's like for everybody that doesn't like the fact that China is benefiting and so on. Well, when was the last time you bought something and you paid more because it was made in the U.S. instead of China? See, we, we all want both sides of that issue, right? So if you go to, no offense to Walmart or Target or, you know, an auto parts store or something, the reason why something costs $6 instead of 10 is because it's made in China. So you can't rail against China coming in and, and taking jobs away and then go and buy an item that's four dollars cheaper but it was made in china you you can't have it both ways and so you know amazon is a good example of a company that you know it's been amazing because you can buy something on your phone right now for very low expense and it will be delivered to your home tomorrow well there's a cost to that and so we just you know there's this there's this vacuum for some reason out there and people not understanding money and people just don't understand money overall but you know, I think we all need to be more educated on how things really work. But going back to your original question, the $15 minimum wage, I don't have as much of a problem with that, if, if any, um, compared to 25 years ago, if you would have asked me that question. Well, the bottom line with all this, I think people just get confused about what they should be doing with their own money in light of all these macroeconomic conditions around them or you know, policy that has been put in place, policy that's being suggested. Uh, and, and people just don't know what moves they should be making with their own money. So walk us through the money map process and, and how that can shed some light on this. Well, sure. And I, I tell you what our focus is right now. And, and if you have not had this done, you need to have this done. You need to focus your financial plan, your retirement planning on taxes and on the risk that is out there in the markets. Let's talk about taxes first. This administration 
has uh, in President Biden when he ran for office. Now we don't know if he'll if he'll do this now that he's in office. But when he ran for office, the taxes that were proposed were incredibly punitive to savers. Now, if you're broke, if you don't have any money, you're probably not listening to this program. But if you don't have any money, um, if you haven't saved any money, then then it, this probably does not apply to you. But if you have money, if you've saved and you are in a place where you want to have a quality retirement, which means you're taking money out of your IRAs or 401ks or you're selling investments and so on, the taxes that have been proposed are incredibly punitive. And so you need a new tax plan. It's got to be new. can't be the one you had last year, the year before, the year before that. It's got to be a new tax plan. So if you have a financial plan, if you've saved any money, if you're getting close to retirement, you need to talk to us about tax planning. Sometimes it's easier to save 10 or 15% in taxes than it is to make an extra 1% or 2% on your investments. The second thing is there is an incredible amount of risk in the market right now. Every other day, it seems like we're hitting all-time highs. Sooner or later, this bubble has got to burst. It's got to burst. Things do not go straight up forever. And when it does, a lot of people are going to be in trouble. Think back to the way it felt in 2009. And then in 2001 and 2002, think about how you felt when you saw your accounts go down. And now think about how much more money you have right now. It's going to feel that much worse. So come on in and get a money map review. We will review all your accounts and we'll review your tax situation and come up with ways for you to reduce taxes and to put yourself in a portfolio where you've got less risk. We call it de-risking your retirement. Some of you have already won the game and you keep playing a game that you've already won, which just means setting yourself up for a loss that might hurt even more. So get your Money Map Retirement Review. Now, how is it? here's how it works. You just call the number. You set up a time to come on in and visit. The number is 1-800-705-1232. Again, 1-800-705-1232. You'll find a time to come in and sit with us or do this virtually uh, on Zoom, and we can give you a money map. It's absolutely free of charge. There's no obligation. You will be focused on income planning and retirement. How do we make sure you've got a good income in retirement? You, you protect yourself against losses, and you reduce your taxes. So call 1-800-705-1232. Again, that's 800-705-1232, 800-705-1232. You can call or you can actually text that number if that's easiest. Just send your first and last name on the text message. We'll get back with you later and find a time to connect. Or if you want to call, just leave a message. Let us know you'd like your Money Map Retirement Review, and the team will reach back out to you to find a time to get you in for that process to start. 800-705-1232 is the number to call. That's 800 800- 705-1232. Joel, let's answer some questions in the mailbag this week. We'll start with Kate, who says, my husband has decided he wants to build a new house that can be our forever home. I'm not excited about this because we're only four years from paying off our current home, and I don't like the idea of taking on a new, bigger mortgage, but maybe the new mortgage would cost less than a divorce, so I should just go along with it. What do you think? <laughs> well, that's going from one extreme to the other, isn't it? Um. A lot of what a good financial advisor does and a lot of what I find myself doing when I sit with clients and couples that aren't clients yet but are thinking about becoming clients is, you know, we sort of are that mediator and um, we're that mediator between one financial goal and another. And a lot of times the goal is the same. It's getting there 
that is different and sometimes there's misperception. So one thing, Kate, is you have to figure out if you are comfortable with a mortgage. And I would suggest to you that maybe your view of a mortgage is, is a little, it needs to be rethought. Because if you have an asset, let's just think about this for a minute, Kate. You have a $100,000 asset with no debt on it. Your net value there is 100000 If you have a $200,000 asset with two hundred thousand with 100000 of debt on it, because you borrowed 100000 you still have a net of 100000 There's no difference in the net value to you and your husband. The difference is that you owe some money, but you still have that same amount of equity. So the question becomes, do you want to enjoy the asset that's twice as big, okay, meaning that twice as big house, and be able to pay a little principal and interest towards it? And again, this is something you have to get comfortable with, but from a dollars and cents standpoint, it doesn't hurt to have a mortgage as long as you can pay the interest. Again, I wouldn't say this to my mom and dad because they just wouldn't even hear it. It would go in one ear and out the other. So um, it's something you might have to come to grips with there. But again, you, you guys need to talk this out. And really what it comes down to is, you know, sit down with us. Look at your finances. Have an objective third party look at your finances. And usually the both of you will feel like you're being heard and understood by the other because we're good at doing that. And then we'll give you some guidance on what direction to go in. And usually it's a, it's a bit of a compromise and both parties end up feeling really good about it. No time like the present to get that money map retirement review. And we'll give you that number again in a moment. Uh, how about a question from Heidi who says, I plan to retire this year and I'm suddenly overwhelmed with the number of decisions that I'll need to make in the next few months. What are the most important issues that I need to focus on? Well, the most important things are where is your income going to come from? That, that's just number one. Is where your income? Where is your income going to come from? And then the second one is once we figure that out for you is what are the risks that could interrupt that income? Where are the pitfalls that you're not thinking of? Where are the extra expenses that could pop up so you'd have less money to put in your pocket? And, and it's really that simple. Every detail falls into those two things. Where's my income going to come from? How much income am I going to get? That's one thing. And the other is, where are the pitfalls? Like, what about a big healthcare expense that I've encountered on? Am I insured for that? Um, what about a drop in the market? Have I thought that through so I don't have to have my income interrupted because the market goes down? Uh, everything sort of stems from that. Where's your income going to come from? And what are the risks or the pitfalls that could really interrupt that income? That's it. Everything else, yes, there's a lot of details in addition to that. I, probably other financial advisors are going, Joel, what an idiot. You're forgetting all that stuff. Well, hold on. I didn't say that, that, that there wasn't anything else. What I said is you've got to keep it in perspective. Income, what are the things that could in interrupt my income? As long as you have income, and I'm, I'm in the process of writing a new book right now, and it's got a chapter that's very similar to one of my old books that's called It's All About Income. If you get the income need taken care of, a lot of other things will fall into place, but we've got to protect that income stream. So that's where you start, and then you get into details after that. And again, if you've got a good financial advisor, they're walking through all these issues with a great deal of sensitivity to your needs and the fears, for lack of a better word, that you bring to the table, because those fears have to be addressed, otherwise you're not gonna have a quality retirement. A lot of financial advisors will go out there and say, oh, you shouldn't be worried about that. But you leave and you are worried about that because you're a human being, you're not a calculator. You know, you can't just be shown some formula on a piece of paper and, and say, well, that's okay. You still feel the way you feel and your financial plan has to adjust so that you have the peace of mind and a quality retirement.
So if you'd like to come in for that Money Map Retirement Review, now's the time. And if you'd like to make that happen, the number to call is 800-705-1232. That's 800-705-1232. When you come in, you'll meet with somebody on the team at Johnson Brunetti. They'll talk you through whatever issues you're having, help you understand where your money is now and what you should be doing moving forward, understanding things like what kind of rate of return do you need to make this work for you for retirement? And is that rate of return a reasonable expectation? What fees are you paying now that maybe you aren't aware of? The Money Map Retirement Review will help you uncover all that. Call or text if you'd like to take advantage of that process. 800-705-1232 is the number to call. That's 800-705-1232. Either call and leave a voicemail or text. Just include your first and last name. Somebody will connect with you later. And as a reminder, you will get one of Joel's books when you come in for your visit. Again, 800-705-1232 is the number. Joel, always a pleasure. Thanks for your wisdom. We'll do it again next week right here on Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. Money Wisdom is sponsored by Johnson Brunetti. Investment advisory services offered through JB Capital LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance products offered through JN Financial LLC. Johnson Brunetti is a paid sponsor of the Yukon Huskies athletic program. Better Money is sponsored by Johnson Brunetti.